Welcome to the Tournament Poker Edge podcast, brought to you by TournamentPokerEdge.com, the only podcast dedicated exclusively to poker tournament strategy. Now here's your host, Clayton Fletcher. Hello once again, everybody, and welcome to the Tournament Poker Edge podcast. I'm your host, Clayton Fletcher, here in New York City, joined by the legendary Twitch master himself, the founder and king head honcho of Tournament Poker Edge, Derek Tenbush. Mr. Killingbird, how are you? I am doing fantastic, Clayton. How are you? I'm good. I'm very. I'm just happy to still have a job. I mean, those of you, <laughs> those of you who follow on the on the Twitch stream know that uh, I was actually out here in the streets, as you like to say, Derek, uh, <laughs> playing a little No Limit Texas Hold'em tournament on a, a site that we like to call America's Card Room, and I ended up at your table. And why don't you tell people how that turned out? Yeah, I I was so excited because so I think when we both got at the table, it's the first time that I can really recall being at a table with you. Other than I think we were at maybe like either the TPE yeah uh, tournament or maybe something else because I did have like 80 hands on you or something. So I just assumed they probably came from the TPE 10 year anniversary tournament. That's what it was. Yeah. Yeah, but that but this was the first time I can recall being like, oh, there's Clayton finally, and I and you were kind of short at my table but that and i was like oh shit he's gonna like bust or something and then like i'm never gonna get a chance to play with him but then you like pretty much instantly doubled up and so we both had like 40 bigs or something and i was like okay we could really have a spot here and you were directly on my right so like we could really find like a good hand like you know maybe something for the podcast and i swear to god like you you were playing a lot of hands you were very active you were raising you know you you were being clayton the, the you know the clayton that we know and love yes. and i was just over there folding nine deuce off and six four off like i was just folding folding and then i think finally i think maybe there was like an open and i think you flatted and i shoved like king jack suited or something and and you called and I was like I just want to double up so we can play a hand together. But no, you ended up winning the flip. I think it was like sixes versus my king jack or something like yeah, that. Yeah, that, that sounds right. And, and I snap re-entered, hoping that I would get back at your table, but I didn't. So it was just like the dream was gone. There was no chance to play a hand together. And yeah, so that that hand was not interesting at all, unfortunately. But I really was hoping we would get something fun to to, to review. But yeah, no such hand, luck. The hand itself was a pretty standard flip, I think, but. Uh, the fun part came later on Twitter when uh, I, I wasn't really sure whether or not you were joking about me being fired. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was like, cause, yeah, because you said you replied something to my tweet like, oh, I don't think we really played any interesting hands, right? And I go, no, just the one where you knocked me out of the tournament. <laughs> I was like, oop, bad career move. So, <laughs> but yeah, no. I mean, uh, I've been trying to play more. And uh, one reason I was playing more was, uh, as you know, Alex Fitzgerald, TPE coach, the assassinato, the famous Alex Fitzgerald, he and I did commentary for something called the World College Poker Final Table. So it's a brand new thing that they started. It's not gambling. Uh, If you're in college and you belong to a college poker club, you can join this uh, online thing. It's on Poker Bros, and it's called College Poker. And they had over a thousand entries, and we did 
live commentary on Twitch and on YouTube for their final table, which was a really good time. I mean, we, we had a blast with it, but it was extra hard because I don't think that I've ever done cards down commentary before, so oh, it was yeah. a little tricky. Yeah, they were doing it in real time, so we could actually show what any of the players had, but... Uh, you know, Alex is so smart and so sharp when it comes to poker. He he was just doing his expert hand reading, and I was just making my corny jokes, and people seem to enjoy <laughs> it. Yeah, I thought that was really cool that you were doing that because um, I had just recently done a thing, uh, just kind of randomly. I met a guy uh, at a at a Twitch meetup um, back in like January, like pre-COVID. Yeah, uh, there was like a Raleigh Twitch meetup group, and. And, you know, kind of everybody's kind of walking around like, oh, what do you play? What do you play? And most people are like, oh, I play, you know, Fortnite or I play this. And this guy came up and asked me. I'm like, oh, I, I, I just stream poker. And he's like, oh, I stream poker. And it turned out he was a uh, – he kind of – he runs like the North Carolina uh, – NC State University like poker club. Cool. So he asked me to come and like do like a little – they have like a – I think a once a month sort of like – Zoom meetup, you know, where they like talk strategy and they play a tournament or whatever. So they asked me to come in and talk. And it was really cool because I don't feel that old. <laughs> but <laughs> like talking to these guys, I'm realizing like, well, these are like, you know, 18, 19, 20 year old kids, right? Who are just, I mean, maybe not, I, I don't know exactly their, you know, their experience level, but I'm assuming since they're in college, they're probably pretty much just learning the game of poker or, or, you know, perfecting the game of poker, maybe. And it was so cool to, like, just talk to people who are, like, young and, like, untainted, and they're not bitter, they're not jaded by, like, you know, <laughs> having played live poker for 15 years <laughs> or whatever. They don't even know what Black Friday is, you know. They're just, like, young, pure-hearted poker players. And it was really cool. And, and I'm, I, I know you didn't probably get a chance to, like, talk to the players in the tournament, but it's still kind of cool that you got to, like, watch young kids play poker like that's pretty cool yeah it was awesome actually we did get to interview the uh the winner of the tournament so i got to talk to him a little bit and he was also president of uh i believe it was the the ohio state poker club Ah, so it seems like these poker clubs uh they got some sharks in those waters so uh (laughs) yeah be careful no he played great um there were a few really interesting hands and interesting spots and alex had of course you know, amazing insight. You guys can find this on YouTube if you just look for World College Poker. It's the only final table that they've had so far. Um, they do have big plans for it, though, and it looks like it might be taking off. They were so happy with the uh, just the turnout and the amount of interest that they were able to attract. Um, you know, and they have all kinds of partners, Card Player Magazine, Poker Bros, like all these <laughs> different things. So uh, it was super fun. But, yeah, that youthful energy – that lack of bitterness, you know, is was kind of fun to be around. But at one point, Alex made a comment about the moneymaker boom. And I said, half the viewers are like, what's the moneymaker boom? <laughs> <laughs> I know. It's so crazy to think about. Like, they, those guys, I, I, like, I'm sure some of them have, like, watched, you know, the old World Series episodes or whatever. But I don't think unless you were there when that happened that you can really – fully understand the impact of that world series it's like you and me with the beatles you know like we know the beatles were a thing but i think we're both a little too young to remember like when they were such a thing so yeah yeah. it's like oh i'm sure they were great mom yeah yeah it's like you guys you old people talking about the beatles 
You know, I like I never got into the Beatles. People just you know, the people that love them, they basically worship them. Like this is the greatest band of all time. And I'm like, you know, I play bass. Paul McCartney, he doesn't really know how to play the bass. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, yeah, you get shot for saying that, but <laughs> I know, I know. Yeah. So what else is happening with you? How's the business? Man, everything is so good. You know, it's it's really interesting. Like, I mean, I, I feel like every time we get on, we we always have to do a little bit of like a life in the COVID era update. Of course. And it and it's it's really interesting because I feel like like we're moving into a new time now where you know the vaccine is kind of on the horizon, but also at the same time, like the sort of the honeymoon period <laughs> that was the summer is kind of over. You know, like I. I don't know. Like it depends on where you live and 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 your lifestyle and stuff. But but I know for for my family, like when everything was happening in the summertime, we kind of, you know, we kind of tried to turn a really shitty situation into a into kind of a fun situation. So we you know we bought like a grill in a in a fireplace in a or I'm sorry a fire pit and like a inflatable pool and we were just having like backyard barbecues and stuff because you couldn't go anywhere, right? So it's just like well I guess we'll just make our backyard into a party. But now that it's getting cold out. Like, I didn't really think I would feel the effects of it, but I think I kind of am. Like, I'm starting to get a little bit stir-crazy. I'm like, shit, now it's like you can't even go outside for more than 30 minutes. And so now, like, now five, six days goes by and I don't leave my house. Like, I went out to start my car the other day and it wouldn't start. And I'm like, oh, apparently you're supposed to start your car more than once every two weeks, <laughs> you know? Oh, right. Yeah, that's so, a thing. Yeah, like, yeah. So, like, I – so I really – and, and I live in like somewhat of a warmer climate. I mean, I'm in North Carolina, so it's you know it's not like I'm in Florida, but I'm also not in you know Buffalo. Um, so I you know I start I start to worry about like people who are living in like the upper Midwest or you know New York in your case, you know like it's we're we're about to go into like a weird dark dark winter. And uh, so yeah, I mean not to make it all doom and gloom, but I'm just like okay, how do I how do I mentally like prepare myself? to like lock it down again for a few more months here while we roll out this vaccine and stuff, you know? Yeah, I agree a hundred percent. Like it feels like there's a light at the end of the tunnel because we are getting good news about this vaccine's approved and that one works and stuff like that. But you know, realistically the amount of time it's going to take for enough people to be vaccinated, uh, it, it's going to take quite a while and we are getting to the colder months. For example, here in New York city, we got like something like 10 inches of snow, today Jeez. as we're recording this on thursday so uh yeah it's it feels like we're we're going to have to like hunker down for a long winter like some kind of quote from <laughs> game of thrones or something but <laughs> yeah. winter is coming and i mean yeah it's if it, if the weather breaks a little bit again i recommend people get outside and try to just get a little bit of you know outdoor time if you can because it does appear that it, it might end up being just a, a rough winter, you know, but I'm always thankful for poker because it is something you can do at home online. And, you know, I was joking uh, about being a, just another shill for ACR because, you know, <laughs> I, I cashed in something the other day and I posted it and whatever. People were giving me a hard time like, oh, the site's totally rigged or whatever. Um, you know, we, we, we're going we're gonna to work this shill thing until we die, I think, because it's just too good. Oh, yeah. It's never going away. <laughs> yeah, it's too good. But, you know, that is one thing. And another piece of good news is High Stakes Poker is back on Poker Go. And the uh, commentary is by Gabe Kaplan and A.J. Benza, like it's 10 years ago. 
So oh that's my god, awesome. didn't even know that. Yeah, it just uh, relaunched this week, and uh, you know, uh, I'll be honest, I was kind of campaigning to take over as host when I heard that they were doing the <laughs> the show yeah. again. I was like, you know, oh, Gabe, Gabe, Gabe Kaplan's a comedian. I'm a comedian. <laughs> you know, I didn't know they were going to be able to get the original guys back. So yeah. I mean, I think if you can get Gabe and AJ. Obviously, uh, you know, just having those familiar voices with the familiar music. Of course, it's a different set because they're doing it at the Poker Go Studios at mm-hmm. the Aria in Vegas. But, you know, some of the same players, you know, JRB, Tom Dwan. Yeah, there's nothing like watching a high-stakes cash game with good action. And uh, they've only released one episode so far. But, I mean, I would say it's worth the Poker Go subscription just to be able to kind of wax nostalgic about the good old days of high stakes poker on game show network yeah. and now it's it's finally on poker go i know they were working on getting it for for quite a while and obviously they had to uh, fight some sort of legal battle uh to to get sure. it all you know whatever whenever you know, for people who don't know whenever one network owns the rights to a show even if that show is off the air sometimes there's a little bit of red tape to you know just make it possible for you to to have the show on your network instead so they probably had to like yeah. go back and forth with negotiating what the fee would be or whatever. But whatever they paid, I mean, the poker community is very excited for that. So, <laughs> you know, just hunker yeah. down, drink some hot cocoa, watch the snow fall, and, and listen to Gabe Kaplan, who is, to me, the all-time greatest uh, poker commentator because he's so funny, but he's also pretty sharp. He does understand the game. Yeah, and I, and I don't think I don't think I even realized when I first started watching poker where gabe was doing the commentary i didn't realize how deeply entrenched he was in like the old school vegas poker community like if, if you were watching it you didn't know you'd be like oh well you know he's he's the guy from welcome back cotter and he's funny so they have him on here but he used to play like a lot of poker with all the pe- people we know like back in the day so he's like the perfect guy to have yeah i mean uh to be able to find uh an excellent comedian who's also really knowledgeable about the game i mean i basically was waiting for him to retire so that i could try to get that job myself <laughs> but yeah he came out of retirement for this one he hasn't done poker commentary probably well, i'm excited i'll have to tune in that yeah yeah check it out yeah because gabe probably hasn't done any poker commentary since 10 years ago when high stakes poker ended the first time so uh, it's really fun, and just hearing that sort of electric piano music. You know, I mean, you're a musician, so you know, like, like to me, yeah. like a lot of what makes a show is like kind of the noise, and, oh, sure, and that show sure. has very distinctive sound. And just you know, him and AJ, he kind of picks on AJ. They have a really cool dynamic. So, and of course, the poker action is great. Rick Solomon's at the table, so you know there's going to be action. So, oh, nice. yeah, I'm excited for it. I think people are pretty uh, pumped up for that which coincides with uh, the break that Negreanu and Polk are taking so that Negreanu could play in the uh, World Series of Poker main event number seven. Like, how many main events are we having this year anyway? I know. <laughs> yeah, because I, I know you've been, you know, you've kind of been updating the, the listeners on the, the Polk versus Negreanu battle. And I'm kind of curious what you think, because I think, I think both of you are, you and I are somewhat similar in that we are primarily tournament players, although I know you've been playing a, a decent amount of PLO cash lately. Yeah. Um, but I've tuned in to, you know, some of the, the, the grudge match uh, streams. Yeah. And man, I just can't find, and I feel like this is becoming a little bit of a, like a common 
thread with me, but I just can't find myself getting into it because I don't play cash games and I don't play heads up. And I think because, and I hate to say this, but because it doesn't seem like a very close match, I'm just having a really hard time like getting enthralled by it. Like it feels like it's just, you know, it, it's like Mayweather versus Jake Paul or whoever the guy is he's going to fight. You know, like it's going to be like that where he just punches him in the face like 30 times around for 12 rounds and then like collects his cash and walks away. No. I'm just like, ugh. You're right. It was a lot more fun when Negreanu kind of got off to a good start. Like he was actually winning early and people were mm-hmm. like, wow, is he going to be able to do it? I mean, this is a total underdog story. And even Negreanu admits very freely that he's clearly an underdog even before the match started. He said, just the question is, am I a 4-to-1 underdog? Am I a 5-to-1 underdog? A 10-to-1 underdog? Who knows? But, you know, at this point, when Doug is outplaying him and he's also running hot as can be, it's yeah. kind of no fun. But, yeah, I mean, I, I don't really play a lot of No Limit Hold'em cash games, and I hardly ever play any heads-up No Limit Hold'em, although I did play a little $1, $2 No Limit against Doug when he was getting ready he was kind of taking whatever action he could get when he was tuning up for the match so i sat with him for a while i think he beat me out of like one or two buy-ins um we just played probably like 100 or 200 hands um so that was kind of an experience but most of the heads up no limit i've played is like you know sick brag but at the final table (laughs) 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 and of course it's different because usually by then you only have a few blinds these guys are playing 100 big blinds deep so uh that's it's just a different game and heads up is is just even if you are really into cash games if you're not into heads up cash games watching two guys play cards down right like almost all the streaming has been cards down Mm. and uh you know it's heads up and one guy is clearly way better than the other it's not that intriguing, but for me, I have enjoyed a lot of the commentary, particularly on the uh, Upswing site and mm-hmm. on YouTube. You know, my our friend Jeff Platt. You know, Jeff. He yep. he's been doing some commentary for Negranu's side, but it's weird how there's like it's almost like the news nowadays. I think I was saying this on a recent podcast. You either get your news from the left or from the right. Like, I would love for someone to just, like, <laughs> truly be in the center and just tell me what's happening instead of, yeah. like, come on, Doug, or come on, Daniel. But, yeah, we're just – we're not going to get that maybe ever again. Yeah, I went over to – I think I was going to the Upswing – I think it was on the Upswing uh, Twitch channel or something. And they had the – um you know, they had the, the tags, the, the like the fish and the shark tags. yeah. And I was like, well, I already know this is biased <laughs> because they just they just had you know they just had Doug with the shark tag and they had D- uh, Daniel with the fish tag and I'm like, okay, well, this is biased. Yeah. But probably not completely inaccurate, but kind of biased. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean they're not wrong, but you know Doug has actually been saying recently that Daniel is playing well and he feels like he's trolling because he's he's killing it. He's up like almost a million dollars. So how can you say the other guy's playing well? But you know, when it comes to heads up. So many sessions will just boil down to a few big hands where both of you have a really big hand. You know, even with 100 blinds, heads up, it's probably okay to get all in with, like, tens. You know what I mean? Yeah, and I I think I saw a tweet from Daniel, and I I don't know if it was fact-checked or not, but where he said something like he got it in 25 times all in preflop behind and won zero of them. Yeah, yeah. Which, I mean... That's that's running pretty bad. Yeah, like, 
He's been you know, ice I mean, cold, yeah. Yeah. And w- will it change things in the in the, the long run outcome? Probably not. But that is running pretty bad. Yeah. Well, no one's taken my bet. I'm willing to make a large bet that Daniel doesn't stop the match after 12,500 hands because part of the rules of this uh, of this challenge is that halfway through it, whoever's behind, and it's pretty clear that will be Daniel, whoever is behind has the uh, has the right to say, okay, I wave the white flag. We're not going to play all 25,000 hands. We're just going to call the match now. I, I don't think Daniel would ever do that because he's got – too many people that are counting on him to pull this thing out. Like a lot of his friends made really big bets on him. So yeah, <laughs> it's, uh, yeah. I, I was curious about that too, and I, and I think you were right. I think you've said it in a couple podcasts that he'll he'll do it if for no other reason than to satisfy the people who bet on it. Yeah, uh, and and let's be honest, Daniel can probably afford to lose the money. Oh yeah, he's not so, crying. Yeah. Uh, he yeah. gets frustrated because of the grudge thing and because Doug has always been you know, so uh, just critical of him, just sometimes fairly and sometimes I think not so fairly. But Doug is, uh, you know, obviously not a Daniel lover. So, but yeah, it's fun to watch them play. But I, w- I do wish we could get a little bit more cards up. It's, a, it's actually more fun to me to watch the analysis that both of them are doing afterwards where they're yeah. both making videos highlighting kind of the interesting hands because not playing a, a ton of heads up cash myself. It's kind of fun to like. What is the thought process, and how is that different? You know, when, yeah, when any two I, will do. <laughs> what's good and what's right. bad? It's hard to know. Yeah, I was a little bummed because I when I tuned in the other day, uh, Olivia Bousquet was doing commentary, and he's one of my favorite like analytical commentators. You know, like I love the color guys too, but you know, he's one of my favorite like strategical. Is that even a word? Strategic commentators, um, but it's so hard for him to do his job when he can't see the cards. Yeah, you know, he's just kind of like, oh, well, that was an interesting hand, <laughs> you know. And I was like, oh, we're just wasting Olivia Busquets' skills here. Yeah, because he can't. He can only kind of speculate. And when when one of the players is, you know, what the third or fourth most winningest poker player of all time, Daniel. <laughs> And another one spent years at the very top of the Heads Up No Limit uh, rankings. Uh, Olivier isn't really going to be able to pick up anything, you know. Right. Uh, these guys are both really good. Daniel is a lot better than I thought he would be. And again, uh, I don't mean to say that I thought he was going to be terrible. He is taking a beating, but a lot of it is luck at this point. If he continues to play as well as he is there's a chance that he could actually come back. I mean, I wouldn't count mm-hmm. him out yet. Like, for example, I have a small bet with a friend on this, on the outcome of this match, and my bet is on uh, Doug, and I, I laid four to one um, odds on it, which I think is about right, but I thought that I was getting a great deal. Now I think four to one is about right. Mm, yeah. I thought yeah. the true odds were more like eight to one or something. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Daniel has impressed, even though he... Uh, the cards haven't been very uh, cooperative so far, but yeah, I mean, there's right. a lot going on now. Poker. Yeah, I mean, let's. I mean, yeah, I was just gonna say, Derek. Yeah, I don't. Want, I, poker could get us through the winter. You know, there's a lot to enjoy. Yeah, I, I hope so. I, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm anxious to see how the whole World Series of Poker final table kind of spins yeah, out. Yeah, it'll be on ESPN, and you know, you of course you have your Twitch stream every Tuesday. Um, and I know you're doing other days as well, but you always do it 
on Tuesdays. Um, you know, your Dolphins look like they're going to make the playoffs. That could be I know, fun. What is right? happening? Two, yeah. 2020 really is a joke. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh, now we go to the playoffs. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the year that no one could go to the games. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah, the, twi- the Twitch stuff's been a lot of fun. We did our charity stream uh, two weeks ago, which was an amazing success. Um, shout out to all my viewers who helped make that happen. And then um, actually this past Tuesday, we just did our – this is insane. We did our sixth-year anniversary stream. Wow. The fact that we've been streaming on Twitch for six years is kind of insane. It's insane to um, me that Twitch is even six years old. It doesn't seem like it's that old. I know. Somebody tweeted at me and said, who's been streaming on Twitch longer, you or Jamie Staples? And I realized – like. It probably literally is one of the two of us, and I'm pretty sure it's Jamie because I think he was the first person I ever watched on Twitch. Okay. Um, but only by a couple months. So the fact that I'm like the second oldest dude <laughs> on the Twitch stream yeah. is <laughs> scary and humbling all at the same time. I know Somerville got in kind of early too. Yeah, he was definitely like – he was the, the forerunner for sure. Um, but, I mean, I don't think he streamed in – Jeez, a no, year and he, a half he doesn't really do so. that anymore. He's he's over it. Yeah. 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 He yeah. got sick of the trolls, I'm sure. Yeah, I right. live on the trolls, but he probably got sick of them. Yeah, well, you get drunk and, and uh, <laughs> berate them, so that's a good time. Exactly. Yeah. I can't live without him. <laughs> yeah. So uh, you know, before this goes too long, why don't we uh, get to some poker hands? I'm getting pumped up here, getting excited. Sounds good. Let's do it. All right. All right, so I wish – I really need to start marking down what these tournaments are because I know every time we are like, oh, what what kind of tournament is this? And I just don't yeah, really no always idea. have the answer. Yeah. Um, but I've been, I, and I, you know, I think I said this last time too, I've been playing primarily between like the three and thirty-three dollar range. So this is probably somewhere, you know, this is like a five fifty or an eleven dollar something like that, most likely. Okay. And uh, based on the names of the other players at the table, are they are they guys that that you play with before that you recognize anyone? Yeah, so I don't actually recognize any of these names. I'm actually looking – so I have my HUD up, so I'm looking. And I, I don't have more than 100 hands on anybody at this table. So okay. these are mostly going to be, like, randos. Yeah. Um, Small stage, we, fun players. Yeah, exactly, yeah. And I'm like I said, I'm guessing this is probably, like, an $11 buy-in or something like that. But we have clearly uh, chipped up a bit because we have – um, 222 big blinds at the 100-200 level. Wow. Yeah, that's a nice, healthy stack early in the tournament. Yeah, and we, we're coming in under the gun with ace-jack offsuit. And it's kind of interesting because I think I've actually... I've, I've embraced my inner knit, and I've started folding ace-jack off from under the gun lately... Um, just because I'm finding it really awkward when you get like four callers, especially in the early stages, and you're just like, okay, well, I don't know where I'm at anymore post flop. It's just a really hard hand to play. HX suited is a lot easier, but I think because we have 222 big lines, I got no problem raising here. Uh, yeah, so we I, don't, do. I don't have a problem with raising here either, but you know, I've, I mentioned this before. I'm probably tighter than most of our listeners uh, from early position, you know. Every book I ever read about poker is that position, position, position. Position is so important. You have to play more hands in position than you do out of position. And then you then you load up a solver, and they say we should be raising queen jack under the gun, jack ten, <laughs> yeah. under, like, like, all these Broadway, especially suited Broadways uh, under the gun should be in your first position raising range. I I just don't know. Like if you're going to play all those hands, 
then aren't you playing too many hands under the gun? So, I mean, mm-hmm. I would fold a hand as strong as ace-jack offsuit at a tough table. But given the description of this table, I have no problem with going ahead and, and getting involved. But you, you will be in some awkward spots you know, at some point with this hand. Yeah. Luckily, it makes it easier to be in awkward spots when you have 222 big blinds. Yeah. Now, the other stacks of the table, a lot of, I guess the average stack at the table is around 100 big blinds. So it's not a short stack table by by any stretch. Yeah. And that's, it almost makes it a little bit easier in my mind because you don't really have like, you don't have any like awkward like spots where you're just going to like rejam stacks or, people who are going to like check jam flops or things like that because everybody's kind of deep enough where you can you know you can make your like standard continuation bet and 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 then just play appropriately um so yeah i think it just depends a lot on the table and i'm kind of scrolling through my head right now i don't there's really nobody that's like super aggro like it's very like sort of pedestrian numbers as i scroll around you know like you you get your 2014s you get your 14 sevens it's just a very average table so okay Again, if I like you said, if I were at a tough table, if this was like a two fifteen, like bigger buy-in or something, I'd probably just fold this under the gun. Yeah, and you're but not really giving up much. It. If you fold it, you're yeah. not giving up much. But yeah, I think at this table, I would also, I would also get in there with it. So yeah. uh, just putting some numbers on it. I know some people like to talk in terms of big blinds, but let's also give them the numbers. You have forty three, forty four thousand in your stack at the one hundred two hundred level. There's also a twenty four ante, and the stacks at your table range from 9,000 up to 34,000. Uh, and of course you are chip leader at this table and possibly among the chip leaders in the tournament, I would assume. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think All right. probably right. All right, so we raise it up. Yeah, so we raise. Uh, it folds around to the hijack who calls. Okay, now you made it 499, which is about two and a half times the big blind. Yep. Uh, and the, yeah, the hijack... Is the only caller? Correct. All right, so we're going to be heads up, out of position, with yep. the ace jack. Yeah, and that's pretty much like my standard raise, mainly because I'm just like in multi-table mode. So I just usually go like min raise plus ninety nine. That's just kind of my thing that I do. Um, <laughs> okay. I mean, I think I think it's fine to just min raise there, or I mean, even this deep you could three x honestly, uh, but that's just kind of what I do. It's probably might not be gto but it is what it is i'm sure it's fine um, yeah so we go heads up to a flop out of position and we get the jack four six two spade flop so we flop top pair top kicker very nice flop for us yeah for sure we don't have a spade though correct okay so jack six four with two spades and hero holding ace jack off with no spade and I would assume this is a, a bet here, right? I mean, I, you could get tricky and check, especially if you think your opponent is uh, likely to bluff with a lot of hands. But, you know, even though you have top pair, top kicker, it's a little vulnerable. You never know what this guy's holding. You don't want to let him pick up a draw for free if he's got a, any spade in his hand. Uh, I think there's just a, a much stronger case to be made for putting this into your C betting range uh, than there is for checking it. What do you think? Yeah, I agree. Especially because I think even everything from sevens through tens are still going to call a bet here. Oh so, yeah, we could definitely get plenty of action from worse. You might even have you could even be lucky enough for him to be sitting there with queen jack or something, and then you'd really be kicking yourself if you didn't if you didn't bet and get value for your hand. So 
Yeah. Yeah, and of course, yeah, a pair. If he's got a six in his hand, if he called you with something like seven six or a six suited or something like that, uh, he'll call you. Uh, he could have a gut shot with something like eight seven, right? So there's plenty of hands that you can that can give you action. I don't know about three streets, but at least let's get some action now. So yeah. what do we do? Yeah, so I'm actually remembering now that this this hand is actually from my sixth anniversary stream. The reason I know that is because I had made this agreement that I was going to make all of my C bets uh, with lots of sixes in them. <laughs> okay. So, so we bet we bet the evil six 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 on the flop. Yeah. Into uh, into a pot of fifteen fourteen, uh, and we get a call. Okay, so I guess he's not Catholic. Um, <laughs> yeah. uh, I, didn't scare him, I didn't scare him away with the, with the devil bet. <laughs> All right. So the devil bet gets called. And, you know, we're yeah. still feeling great about this. We have ace-jack on a jack-high board. You make a bet that is uh, – what would you – what is that? A, a, about 40% of the pot? Yeah, that's right. And yeah. so then he calls. And what happens on the turn? And we get the two of spades, which is – Definitely not our favorite card because certainly flush draws, I think we can say, are in his range. Um, but I don't feel like it's a card we really have to like panic about too much. You yeah, know, like, I mean, you could bet, and if he raises, you could strongly consider folding. Um, you will get outplayed sometimes with that strategy, but you know, like you said, it's a, it's like probably something like an eleven dollar tournament. There aren't that many players that'll turn something like. I don't know, what could he call with on the flop and then turn it into a bluff here? Like, I, I, I'm having yeah. trouble coming up with a hand that that would bluff raise you. So yeah, I think even if he has like eights or nines or something, he he's either just gonna fold or he's going to just flat. Yeah. If we if we if we decide to go ahead and bet again. Yeah, if he's got like pocket eights with a spade, he'd probably call this bet, right? So yeah, and that's fine because we're still ahead. So cool. Yeah, the only thing I can see him maybe raising us with that we either beat or chop with is like you know if he happens to have ace jack with the ace of spades or he has king jack with the king of spades or something like that that he can like kind of turn into a bluff here but i think most people are honestly just going to call those hands yeah um, because they uh, i mean because they, they're not really trying to blow us off of our bluffs you know so i i feel like we can just bet here and and sort of reevaluate a bunch of rivers without really being too afraid. Yeah, and the solver will probably say this is a mix, right? So if you want to bet some of the time and check some of the time, which also does allow him to take a shot at the pot if he has something like pocket eights with a spade, like we said, or if he, you know, best case scenario, he has a worse jack and he now he wants to bet it for value when we check. Um, but yeah, if you do check this turn, I think you need to call him at least once. So yeah, uh, I, I like agree. I would just like you usually I I think I would mostly keep the lead here and just bet again. It really only gets hairy if he raises us here on Fourth Street because then it's oh boy, you know what does that mean? Yeah, I mean the five yeah. tray got there, but you know we're gonna worry about everything, right? <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah, and and yeah. So we so there's 28:46 in the middle, and we do go ahead and see bet. I'm actually kind of curious what you think about this seabed size. We bet 1,054, which is about third of the pot. And I, I, I don't know if I really like this, because I'd, I'd almost rather just charge the spades, you know, if he has 
anything X of spades, you know, like, you know, king, if he decided to float us with king, queen, or the king of spades or something, I don't know. I, I would rather just charge those. And I think we also can put ourselves in uncomfortable situations here by betting so small because he could look at this as weakness and just go, well, this looks really weak. I'm just going to put in like a little raise here to like 2,800 and put him in a really awkward spot. Like I, I don't know what I'm trying to accomplish with with this 1,054 bet, I guess is what I'm saying. Yeah, and especially when your bet almost doesn't even deny him the odds he needs to call with a flush draw. So, yeah. yeah, that's another case for making it a little bigger. I mean, you know, it's not terrible because you do get more action from those pocket eights, pocket sevens. Hence, they might be curious enough now to actually call you again where they would otherwise have folded if you put too much heat on here on the turn. But that's, that's a pretty small part of his range overall. And so I think that we want to try to charge the the draws and we want to we want to get action from hands like jack 10 queen jack that just aren't really going to fold to any bet i mean it is unlikely because we know where two jacks are but a lot of times just being sort of optimistic is the way to go but yeah i'm not i'm not going to beat you up over this bet i mean it, it does have its merits right the other way you could do it is to check here but yeah, I think betting is better than checking and probably going a little bit bigger. One thing I will mention is from watching a lot of uh, Andrew Brokus videos recently on TPE, uh, generally speaking, turn bets can be a little larger as a percentage than flop bets. Now, obviously, that's a gross generalization. There will always be exceptions to this, but there are just a lot of spots where you want to kind of size up on the turn, especially if you do an extra small flop bet. So you kind of get the action you want on the flop and then you punish. If he's optimistic and he calls with some kind of backdoor draw on the flop, just because you bet so small, then by betting big on the turn, you actually punish uh, the, the flop call more with the Mm -hmm. bigger bet on the turn, because now he has to throw away whatever equity he has because you overcharge him. So, yeah, uh, that's something you consider, but yeah, again, I don't think this is a bad play. You know, you bet a thousand into twenty-eight. I, I don't really have a problem with it. Yeah, I'm also I'm almost wondering if so. I should mention this opponent uh, is running over fifty-seven hands, so not a huge sample, but he's running fourteen-seven, so he's quite tight, which almost makes me feel a little bit better about the smaller size because I don't think we get him to call with worse hands very often by barreling on the turn but I also don't think he's the kind of opponent who's going to bluff raise the turn so I actually with that in mind I kind of like this if this guy was running like 30 27 or something I might be like eh, if I bet small here he could like bluff me off my hand um, so yeah I, I don't mind it as much as I think I originally did but I think we could, generally speaking, go a little bit bigger, even if it's like, you know, thirteen fifty or something. Just you know, charge those draws a little bit more, like you said, and uh, maybe get some more value out of eights or nines or something. Yes. But I don't think we can go too big without just scaring him away. Yeah, but I like I like thirteen or fifteen a little bit more, especially because he might be optimistic about his likelihood of getting called on the river. But when we don't have a spade, we're never calling any bet on the river if it comes a spade. 
So mm. just kind of, you know, thinking in terms of trying to make your opponent make a mistake. So if he makes an optimistic call, assuming, well, I also have the implied odds. If my flush comes in, maybe I can get another bet off of Derek then. But you, of course, not having a spade, you're not going to call any bet on the river. So that makes his call on the turn a bigger mistake. So a bigger bet allows yeah. him to make a bigger mistake if, in fact, he has uh, a spade in his hand. But, yeah, overall, like I said, I don't really mind the bet. But something you kind of hinted at that I want to highlight here is smaller bets are easier for your opponents to bluff raise. So, in other words, if you made like a pot-sized bet on the turn, just to, not that you would ever do that, but to illuminate the point, if you will, a pot-sized bet on the turn would have been like close to 3,000, and your opponent only has like another 10,000 behind. So he would never bluff that, that size bet. But this smaller bet gives him a little bit more room to wiggle and get creative if he's the type to do that. Now, over 57 hands, he doesn't seem like he's all that tight. He seems kind of like a nitty rag. Those are kind of like Derek Tenbush numbers, 14-7. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so he's like, it's like playing against yourself here. So you, you know, he's probably not going to find the uh, raise button too often, but certainly uh, against a different opponent, a bigger bet would be preferable also for that reason, right? Yeah, good point. Okay, so we bet, and what happens? And we get a call. Okay, that's way better than getting a raise. I'm still pretty <laughs> yes. comfortable with our pair of jacks here. So what happens next? So we get the king of hearts on the river. So that's going to make the board four, six, jack, deuce, king, three spades. Uh, there's 49.54 in the middle. Uh, we obviously have a lot of chips. Our our uh, our opponent has 12.5k behind. So there's 5k in the middle. He has 12.5k. It, it's a really weird card because it's not it's not a card like it's you know we we obviously like hate a spade. You know we probably hate anything that straightens out like maybe a three or a five. Although I don't really see this particular villain playing very many of those low cards. But it's just not a great card for us, right? Yeah, because um, one of the hands that we could definitely get more action from was the uh, King Jack. You know, I've, I've been talking yeah. this whole time that a big part of our value targeting range is worse jacks. And one of them just caught up and, and took over. So that's not good. Um, but I agree, we'd rather see this card than any spade, obviously. But yeah, I don't think we have a bet anymore. I mean, I was thinking, especially with your sizing on the flop and turn, I was thinking three streets with this hand. Uh, right. But now I don't want to do that because uh, it just doesn't feel like a value play anymore. I think, well, maybe it is, though. Maybe we just bet fold here on the river. You know, you, you bet 1,000 on the turn. If you bet, like, I don't know, say, like, 1,300 on the river and fold to a raise... Um, but then you could still get yeah. action that way from Jack-10, Jack-Queen, although they might be able to find the fold easier now because they have to worry about not only being outkicked, but whether you just caught up on the river somehow. So, yeah, I don't know. It's, I guess all overall it feels like you could do a small bet planning to fold to a raise, but I think I prefer checking and see what he wants to do. Yeah, I think that's where I lean as well. Because if he does... Yeah, there's just not a lot of like missed draws. You know, it's like basically like five seven and 
that's about it, like, draw-wise. I mean, so, you know, he could have, like, worse jacks, but the problem is he's just going to probably check most of those back. And I don't know if... I mean, I guess we could get a call from, like, Jack-10 or Queen-Jack or something like that. So it's, like, I'm very torn between, like, betting for some value and then just folding to a raise or just letting him bet his missed draws. But, again, there's just not many. Like, I... Yeah, I'm really torn here. I, I know exactly what I do because I did look at this hand before we started. I, and I think I sort of like it, <laughs> but I'm not sure I love it. Okay. Yeah, so you know, when you're saying a guy is 14-7, but he's he's only got 57 hands in your data, database. So we can't exactly rely on that 14-7, but it does give you a little snapshot of how he's played in the few hands that you have on him. Um, there just aren't that many draws that he's going to have. I mean, what does yeah. he call with on the flop? Uh, if he has a flush draw on the flop, he actually has a flush now. Yep. So that's that's a problem, and he slow played it on the turn, opting to not raise you on the turn when he has the nuts or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. So that's kind of a bad scenario. Uh, if he has a gut shot, this player probably would have folded gut shot, I think, usually just based on the little bit of information we have about him. I don't think he's calling with every gut shot. Maybe give him a few combos for balance, right? Yeah. Um, he would never have a straight because he would have to start with five tray, which is not in the uh, 14% V-pip range, <laughs> right? <laughs> so we're not worried about that hand. Um, yeah. he, he could have flopped a set and slow played it. Uh, yeah, but overall, I'm having trouble putting him on a misdraw. Uh, unless he has a pair with it, maybe like a seven six with the six of with the seven of spades, right? But that hand is not about to bluff us. That hand's going to check back and hope my sixes are good, right? So what what bluffs does he have that we can check and hope that we can induce a, a bluff from? Yeah, yeah, and I think that's kind of like the magic question. Like, and the thing is, is like. I'm just I'm I'm also trying to think of what we bet that we ever get called by that we beat. You know, it, it basically is just Jack X, I think. Yeah. From this it is. from this particular opponent. And I don't I mean, we obviously have a Jack, so he just doesn't have a ton of those. So I think I think I lean towards checking because there's just such a small value target. Like there's really nothing for us to target a call from. Like, I mean, A6 or something? Like, you know, I'm trying to, I'm like reaching to find something. So I guess I would rather just like check here and probably not fold very often at all unless he just like over jams or something. Well, I think, you, you know, if you check planning to either call or fold, it really comes down to a math problem. So is that what you did? You checked? Uh, I did. Okay. So let's figure, I'm assuming he's going to bet here. It wouldn't be much of a hand to discuss, right? Yeah, so okay. he bets thirty-two seventy-two into fe- into five k, so basically okay. like three quarters pot, baby, basically. Well, it's not three quarters, right? It's oh, do I know that right? Yeah, that's it's it's more like sixty percent. All right. Yeah, so uh, that's kind of a, an important question because yeah, as yeah, I mentioned yeah. just a moment ago, the these kind of situations are actually just basic algebra, really. Um, so if your opponent bets the pot, then you're getting two to one on a call. And if he bets half the pot, you're getting three to one on a call. 
So we're getting two point something to one here on a call. And so is your hand going to be good? Let's just make it simple. One time out of three, that would be profitable, right? Mm-hmm. And God, I hate that this opponent is so tight because it kind of makes me think it's not. Yeah, I mean, he <laughs> will be good be, that often. Given the fact that we are having trouble coming up with bluffs in his range, and given the fact that he would check back a lot of hands, like if he has just like a jack 10 or some kind of pair with a flush draw that missed, given all that and the fact that he's 14-7, I don't think you're you're good. 30% of the time I don't think so I yeah. think we have a fold here uh, and that sucks because then if we fold we'll never know whether top pair top kicker was good on the flop or the turn or whether we got rivered or what happened and we were talking about this a few weeks ago when Alex was our guest on the podcast people want to know you know they don't like yeah. to not know <laughs> And, Which uh, is a reason to bet more rivers, I think, right? Like, yeah. Because, like we we as players should be betting more rivers with value because people want to see it. Yeah, they want to see it. That's a really good point. And also, it, bet folding is usually more is more profitable if you can really rely on the fact that you're not getting bluff raised a lot. It's more profitable to bet fold than it is to check because so many players will just check back their medium strength made hands so you lose that value from those hands like the jack 10 jack queen like those can those hands really can't bet now now that the king showed up on the end uh it's a rare 11 dollar player that's going to be like you know what i'm going to go to value town with my jack 10 now right <laughs> yeah yeah that's true like it would be very out of character yeah this so this to, to go to go ham here yeah. or with, a, with 6x i mean i guess the rare missed draws that we mentioned, maybe, but there's just not many of them. Yeah, we're having trouble finding those draws because we don't think he would call. Even your small uh, sized bet on the flop, I don't think gets called a lot by a player that runs 14-7 and kind of has a, a generally nitty style. Even if he had something like, let's say, I mean, I'm having trouble even putting him on anything that he might have. Yeah, because I, I yeah, I, like I think most of his like middling pair, you know, like sevens, eights, nines, ten, like those probably just all check back. Here. They're not gonna bet. Yeah, they won't bet. They're not gonna turn it. Uh, they're not gonna turn a showdown type of hand into a bluff. You just don't see that a lot in these eleven dollar tournaments. You will see that at the higher stakes. I mean, that's an advanced play. Yeah. It's like I was worried that my sevens weren't any good, but I wanted to also kind of merge my range. So I'm sometimes. You know, I'm just going to shove, make a big bet with the sevens and try to push Derek off of a jack sometimes. That, that's kind of representing the king. It's a more advanced strategy, not something you see in tournaments like this. So I think we can check. And if he would have bet smaller, I'd be more tempted to call. But given that we need to be good so often, and I just don't think we are, I would consider this a fold and like probably not lose too much sleep over whether I got outplayed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think you are correct, and I think that I don't remember. I don't remember this particular hand from live action, but my guess is that I went. I went with the check very much intending to call, regardless of what he did, and I think that's a mistake, to be honest. Um, so you know, I can't see my timing tells or anything like that, but um, I do call the thirty-two seventy-two, and he turns over the pocket sevens, okay. which is 
really interesting from this opponent. Um, That's good. I think there's, so. kind, yeah, there's kind of two interesting things to pull from that, I think. One of which is when you look at your HUD and you have 57 hands on somebody, remember, that's only five or six orbits. Like, they might have just taken a couple hands off. They might have been in another hand, you know, other hands at other tables and weren't really focused on this one. They could still be an aggressive opponent. I think you need to get up into the couple of hand, a couple hundred hands plus range to really start to kind of figure out where somebody's at. I wish we um, could confirm, Derek. I wish we could confirm that this is a ten dollar tournament because <laughs> this is a pretty advanced play I know, I know. for this level, <laughs> yeah. uh, and especially if it's a name that you didn't recognize. I mean, you're on the site quite a bit, so you probably know like who the best regs on the site are. Uh, this is just a play that I wouldn't expect too many. Uh, of these guys to make now maybe a small bet like a scared bet but you know he went pretty big he's basically bluffing I mean he yeah I mean to me like if I have sevens here I'm checking back all day and going please don't have hit your flush don't have you know or, or whatever like yeah. I'm, just, I'm so happy to get to like just check my hand on the river um, I'm not sure what he's trying to accomplish with that bet on the river like he might have just been like oh well he probably has like nines or something and I can get him to fold here or something but, yeah, right. it, it was definitely not a bet I expected from him at all. Yeah, you're um, right. Like, and, I'm saying he turned his hand into a bluff, right? But perhaps he doesn't even know why he bet the river yeah. just because you checked and he's like, oh, I guess I'll bet. You know, sometimes yeah. it's not like some advanced strategy. It just happens to be um, an unexpected play at an unexpected time. But did he have mm. a spade? He did have a spade. Okay. Yeah, so he did turn a flush draw, although not a very – exciting one obviously right. but something uh, yeah but i mean you know i have to like it, th this is the great thing about poker right like in his defense i should probably be folding here like he probably should have won this hand <laughs> yeah he wins you it know? against me i'm not i'm not i'm not sticking around <laughs> yeah i wanted I, like, to fold I, yeah yeah i honestly think he like played his hand pretty well especially with me checking on the river like i look maybe scared is not the right word but i look cautious you know, like it's a great card in a way for him to like sort of turn into a bluff. I I think I would just rather he had something like where he can't win, you know, like, yeah, like if he had like five, eight suited or something here and he just wanted to turn. I almost rather he do it with that hand than this hand, because this hand actually has some weird showdown value. Agreed. And from your seat, you know, just from a theoretical perspective, you know, in terms of GTO, when you check the river, you need to have some bluff catchers in your range, and certainly Ace Jack might be included in in your you know combos of of what some of your bluff catchers might be. You know, I play. I usually think about exploitative play, and even though we only had 57 hands on him, the evidence was mounting that he was basically a nitty tight guy, and that right. we both thought he would generally be checking back with medium strength hands like sevens, and that's what led me to wanting to fold but perhaps he just saw the king and said i don't know if these sevens are good but i'm going to rep that king because it looks like Derek, who has now bet small on the flop pretty darn small again on the turn and now check the river like you don't look particularly strong right right so maybe he just pounced on the moment but yeah, we're not in his head we don't know sometimes they just press the right button at the right time but unfortunately <laughs> for him you press the wrong button at the right time and you got you end up winning the pot anyway <laughs> yep yeah, no, that's I love these kind of spots. You know, not every hand we talk about has to be a royal flush against quads, right? Like it's fun to just 
I don't have that much. I'm out of position. You know, it kind of highlights the first point you made about the hand too, Derek, which is sometimes I just fold ace jack under the gun because I'm going to be out of position. The the best hand I can really hope to have realistically is one pair, and playing one pair from out of position, especially against tougher opponents, can be incredibly tricky. So it all kind of goes back to why even get involved with this hand in the first place. But your answer would be because I'm freaking killing Bird and I'm going to call him. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Who knows how many beers I have. <laughs> Don't try to bluff a drunk killing Bird. That's right. That's <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, that was a good one. Now, what's going on with your Twitch? I know that uh, some of you might not realize this, but we've actually been Twitch streaming, live streaming this whole podcast recording. Are you getting any uh, love in the chat? Are people watching? Do they even yeah. care what's happening? I, so we have uh, we have about 18 viewers, which is pretty cool. We just got a host from our friend Quest J. Um, so yeah, you know it's kind of cool. I, I just decided to kind of do it on a whim, honestly. Like I, I I had come back from the from the distillery and I wanted to have a couple of beers, so I thought, well, if we're gonna have beers, we might as well just do it on Twitch. Um, but you know, maybe this is something we'll do in the future. If if people listening to this are like, oh shoot, I missed that because I just tweeted it out like two hours ago or whatever. Um, so yeah, if people are listening, you're like, oh, do that again next week or next time I'm on. Um, I'm happy to do it. It's kind of fun, you know. I'll try to do it where I can actually like, get the hands up on the screen and stuff because that would probably be more interesting. But uh, yeah, it was fun. I enjoyed yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. Well, before we go, uh, can people still donate to your um, charity drive? And and why don't you like if if so, can we can we hear a little more about it? Sure. Yeah. So it's a. Uh, I think I've mentioned it on, on streams past or on. on podcasts past but it's a it's a local breed specific animal rescue that my wife and i work with called triangle beagle rescue and um we were fortunate enough to raise over three thousand dollars or almost three thousand dollars just under three thousand dollars for the triangle beagle rescue this year um but yeah if you if you love dogs or you love animals or you just want to support me uh in my efforts uh you can head over to try beagles t-r-i beagles.com and uh, you can make a donation right there and just say yo KB sent me. They'll know. They'll know who I am because <laughs> I actually ran into the lady who writes all the thank you notes uh, the other day for the rescue, and she was like, "I had to write so many thank you notes." She's like seventy-eight of them. Oh, or something. <laughs> that's amazing! And it was. And like I was like, your... "Well, uh, yeah." I was like, "Well, I'm glad to keep you busy. Thank you for all your help." <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, three thousand dollars—that's a lot of money for uh, animal rescue. They can really put that to good use but you know if if you're in the spirit of giving uh, this time of year and you're you're thinking about doing something good if you just happen to be a kb lover or a dog lover or you know in my opinion there are dog lovers and then there are beagle lovers like the beagle breed has, has its own kind of particular fan club <laughs> have you noticed that yeah. too yeah, they they do get pretty serious, especially down here where there's a lot of like abandoned hunting dogs. Like yeah. the people who love beagles really love beagles. Yeah. Um, but we get plenty of dog lovers who come out and support too. So yeah, well, thanks for joining me, Derek. I would love to uh, do some more Twitch stream podcasting uh, with you going forward. I think that was a great idea. Uh, next time we'll give people a little more notice so they can plan yeah. on uh, you know joining, and then you can hear the podcast as it's happening rather than later on after we clean it up and make a few edits and cut out Derek's curse words and stuff. <laughs> yeah, maybe, <laughs> maybe we even get some hands from the from the viewers or something like that. That'd be fun. That would be fun, like a more interactive. That's a great idea. We could do a, a more interactive 
uh, podcast with the with the Twitch viewers. That would be really fun. Yeah. yeah. So look from for, for that going forward. Of course, check out twitch.tv slash Killing Bird each and every Tuesday night. And what what other kind of schedule are you doing these days? Just whenever you can, or what's going on? Yeah, I've been I've been streaming pretty regularly. Again, kind of going back to what we talked about earlier, like we're we're sort of back into lockdown mode here in North Carolina, so I haven't had a lot of time to like do much. <laughs> like, there's not really anything to go out and do. So I've been I've been trying to stream pretty heavy and just and sort of keep myself occupied. So usually three or four nights a week, um, always Tuesdays and Sundays, but then some other random days thrown in there. And if you subscribe to his stream, then you can be notified when he's on. And uh, it is. I've popped in a few times myself. I think it's really fun to watch you multi-table and drink, and you know, you're really you're very entertaining the way you interact with uh, everyone in the chat, and you just you know, you you kind of put the fun back in poker, and everybody knows how I feel about that's what we need. So uh, yeah, th- thank you, sir, for your service. How's that? I appreciate it. I appreciate it. <laughs> All right. Hey, if I if I if I don't see you before uh, the holidays get here, man, have uh, a very merry Christmas and happy holidays, and uh, maybe even a good New Year's. We'll, we'll see if we can actually do something on New Year's Eve. <laughs> yeah, that would be nice, wouldn't it? Yeah. Well, th- same to you. Happy holidays, and uh, for Derek Killingberg Tenbush, and for uh, everyone here at Tournament Poker Edge, happy holidays. I'm Clayton Fletcher. Thank you all so much for listening.
Nobody can remember